All right, now we are live. Episode 15, Fit and Shit Podcast with my boy Steve Tripp. He should be in here any minute. I apologize in advance. I'm a little under the weather, but we're going to get this thing popping in a second. As soon as I can get Steve in, we're going to get this thing going. Strip cam. All right, invite. We should be good to go. Nick Rouse, what's up? The Barb is in the building. What's up? Hey. Let's go. Let's go. What's going on, man? Not much, man. Not much. Just finished up uh, at work with a training session, and uh, here we are. Ready to talk some shit or what? Yeah, I'm good for that. <laughs> you've, you've, been, you've been highly requested. So, is that right? That's very flattering. Yes, yes. I, I, I told you who the main requester was, but you've been requested by a few others since then. So that's great. I, I really that's, that's very very flattering. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to um, you know, it's always great to be on a platform with someone like yourself who, you know, I'm sure we you know we, I'm sure we share a lot of the same backgrounds and trials and tribulations and experiences and insights and yeah. how we feel about the industry, how we feel about powerlifting, strength training, and. It's really nice to be able to, you know, get on, get online with someone like yourself and, uh, and get some, get some decent content out there. For sure. For sure. So for people that don't know, I'm just going to give them a rundown. You are power lifter, strong man, coach, uh, owner of top strength project in Rhode Island. correct? Yes, sir. Um, and I want to say, I'm going to call you a fitness influencer, but that's not with the negative connotation behind it. That's with, that's with the original, when fitness influencers originally started, it was organic and authentic. People that cared about the sport, people that put time and effort not only into themselves but into others. Um, so it, it's got a negative connotation to it now when you say influencers. But really, you know, real life influencers when the, when they started, when you started doing your thing and your Instagram was blowing up, you know, you were doing it the right way by lifting, by that. motivating by, you know, opening a gym, by setting sta standards higher for people, you know what I mean, and giving back to the to the lifting community. So we're going to call you a, a good influencer. Well, I think what separates, you know, what, what, what you're talking about now as far as good and bad is, you know, I didn't, I didn't start lifting weights because I wanted to do it professionally. I started lifting weights because I hated the way I felt. I hated the way I looked. And I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin, and, and I felt best when I was lifting weights. Right? I felt best yep. when I was in, when I was pumped up, and I felt great for the hour after, and then I felt like a big soggy bag of shit yeah. the rest of the day. Yeah. And I couldn't wait to get back and do it again the next day. And then I ended up doing it, you know, I ended up becoming a trainer out of college, which was never the intention. Um, I did trades my whole life, and my intention was to continue. I was looking for a big framing outfit at the time. I worked with friends from home doing odd jobs, you know, small jobs, uh, residential jobs. But I was working for a big commercial framing outfit out of college. And then when I graduated in 2010, there was no work. They were laid off. So I said, I guess I'll be a trainer. And fast forward 12 or 13 years, and, and, and here I am. And I never had any intention. You know, you hear it all the time. It's it's like a, a meme. You know, I'm, I'm here to inspire others. Like, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I'm here for me. I'm here because, like you said, I authentically live for this shit. I yeah. fucking love lifting weights. I love being strong. I love challenging myself. I love assessing failures and, and just keep continuing to try to raise the bar. And 
and it's for real. It, it's it's sure. nice to have things like Instagram and be able to throw your lifts up and receive, um, you know, reassurance from followers. Um, you know, yeah. in, in addition to the ones that we share our space with, and that's nice. But that is not why I do it. And of course, honestly, and, that, and that's why I said, you know, you know, it was very organic and, and authentic. You know, you could tell who's doing it for certain reasons. I agree. With you know you. I mean, yeah. you, you could tell who's doing it for the views, for the likes, for the girls, for the guy, you know, whatever it may be. Um, you know, and you were a guy that's just truly always, from what I've seen, been super passionate about the sport. Um, the sport in general, I mean, you've, you've done a little bit of everything between strongman, powerlifting, you look like a bodybuilder. So, you know what I mean? You're, you're, you're kind of in all of the realms, you know what I mean? And I'm assuming you're training, you do a little bit of everything, correct? I do. Um, and of course, as, I'm, as I get closer and closer to a specific peak or a specific competition, I'll probably be a little more streamlined. Um, but, you know, the components are always in there. Squat, bench, deadlift, overhead press are always in there. Um, and high volume accessories are always in there. For one, to look the part, to facilitate, you know, soft tissue damage and, and therefore growth. But also, because if I don't do my high volume, I feel like shit, man. My joints, my ligaments, my tendons, you know, I yeah. use that. I don't want to say as a recovery modality, but essentially it is. And a lot yeah. of people are always complaining about aches and pains and they feel like shit all the time. They don't do accessories. And you know what? They don't eat well. So they're super inflamed. They feel like complete garbage. Yep. And they think it's, oh, because I train so heavy. It's like, first of all, bro, you're not even that fucking strong. Yeah. And you eat like a child. And you got, you got to move. You got to walk. You have to do your volume. You have to suffer through high rep sets because it serves you. And you get to be jacked, too. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, they always say stuff about, you know, training programs. Your training program is only as good as what you can recover from, too. You know what I mean? So so if you're going in there every day, beat to shit, and you don't feel like, yes, of course, we all have our days where we feel like shit or, or we're beat up or we're sore. But they come far, often, far more often than the ones that we feel good. That's yeah, cool. but I mean, but if, if you can't recover at all, because like you said, you're not doing your recovery work, your blood flow work, your nutrition work, um, your mobility work. You know what I mean? You're not really doing the game right. You know what I mean? You're kind of, you're eventually going to work backwards and you're going to see those numbers start to tank. Absolutely. And, and they justify it by saying, oh, I can't do high volume. You know, I, I can't eat clean. I, I can't do cardio because it's going to kill my game. It's like, it's actually doing the opposite. No, no. You not doing that is just holding you back. No doubt. Exactly. I just had Laura Phelps up here last week and she was talking about how she wishes she did more cardio and GPP work for during her career. Yeah. You know? and, you're, and you're talking about probably the best female powerlifter ever. And, and she was saying, you know, she what, if she could change one thing, she would have had her, her preparedness better. She would have had her conditioning better. She said that she, she never got to show what she was truly capable of as a deadlifter because she was always gassed by the time she got to deadlift. No, and no. I thought that was really interesting to hear from somebody that everyone in the powerlifting world holds in the highest regard. You know what I mean? So that even opened me up to, all right, I got to get my, my shit better. You know what I mean? I got to start doing some sprints, more sled drags, more reverse hypers, timing my speed work, shit like that. You know what even I mean? Just going, for, just going for a walk, going for a half hour walk. You know, um, let's say I come into the gym and I'm achy and, and, I, and I feel like garbage. It might take me 30, 45 minutes or more to go through all my drills to get ready to get under a barbell. Yeah. Or I could just go for a fucking walk. Yeah. I come back and then five, ten minutes, I'm warmed up after my drills and I'm good to go. You know, yeah. just, you just got to keep moving, you know? Well, sometimes people put a little too much into that warm up when really all you got to do is get 
the body temperature up. Whether it's, you know, you don't have to be doing belt squats before squatting, but get your body temperature up. Get a little sweat going. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just some uphill walking on a treadmill, just going down the street, going 10 minutes that way and coming back, and you're yeah. in position to get started. So right now, um, looking at numbers, you got a 1940 sleeve total in powerlifting at 275, correct? Yeah, I, I usually, I'm, I'm usually around 260, 261. I'm a little light for my class, and I'm pretty yeah. sure if you're referring to that last RPS meet, it, it came through with an 810 deadlift, but that was actually my second attempt. I, I hit 855. Oh, okay. Close that meet out. And I sent out, um, I had to email Open Powerlifting, and they haven't updated it yet, but I, they don't have to update it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smash that next time I can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're hitting that for doubles <laughs> now from what I see, so. Yeah. So, so what's next? I mean, are are you looking at a powerlifting meet, a strongman meet, a little bit of everything? Well, well, right now, um, I just finished like a three block kind of like off season program. Um, yeah. I don't have anything specific uh, lined up. I, I I am competing in, in Vegas. Uh, shit, December seventeenth, which is at the Olympia at this competition called World Strongest Gym. It's yeah, put yeah. on by Stan Efferding. Uh, he's gonna have a cage at the, at the expo called the Rhino Cage, and basically. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, gyms are encouraged to put together two teams, one AMRAP team and one MAX team. So Friday, the 16th is AMRAP. So you, your, your team has to consist of a man, a woman, and a master. And each one chooses one of the three lists. So men is a double bodyweight squat AMRAP, double bodyweight deadlift AMRAP, 1.5 times bodyweight bench AMRAP. And the females, it's the same, but it's 1.5, 1.5 bodyweight bench. So you put together a team, they throw it out on AMRAPs, and then um, the highest total wins, uh, $2,500. The second day is highest total. So that's the day that I'm competing, personally. Um, I'm going to be deadlifting, my buddy Nico's going to be squatting, and my buddy Manny's going to be benching. Nice. So I put together a good deadlift. So hoping to get, you know, eight fifty nine hundred. We're looking to get a 2400 total all together. Um, who knows whether that'll be competitive or not. You know, we'll see what else is out there. What well, other than that, I've been dealing with... Um, this tricep elbow injury for about five and a half years. Um, it dramatically affects my ability to bench, but it really affects my ability to overhead press. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen on your posts. So I've been very fortunate to be successful and, and win just about every competition I've done in powerlifting and strongman, but I leave a lot of pounds on the table. I leave about 100 to 150 pounds on the table, arguably on my bench. And my overhead, I've just been zeroing the overhead events, and I sweep the rest of them. And it's been enough to win. Um, and I've been, you know, I've done all kinds of procedures. I've had all the other surgeries, a lot of PT, prolotherapy. I've used peptides. I've accumulated millions of reps on this tricep, and it just hasn't come back. So um, I've recently got another MRI on my elbow. I've done some nerve testing. I got MRIs on my neck because they, they thought maybe I had some nerve damage in there or some compressed vertebrae. And everything kind of checks out. Everything seems okay. So I'm getting another nerve test done. Um, long story short, I'm just, I really like to get ahead of this and figure out why this tricep isn't coming back before I get back on the platform, before I know the strongman show, because I'm, I'm tired of being around the 2000 range. But when I compete yeah. again, it's, it's 2200. I want an I want 800 squat, which I should be about there now. A 900 deadlift, which I should be about there now. And I've got to get my bench up around 500. These, these 380, 400 pound benches, it's high school shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very, very frustrating. It's very, very frustrating. Yeah. And I, I, I don't really plan to do a full meet or another strongman show until I so figure out right. what's going on with this. So, yeah, because you want to put your best product out there. 
Yeah, and um, you know, I'm very fortunate to have been successful at the state level. I haven't lost the strongman competition at all. Um, I took third at nationals recently, which was devastating. It was because of my arm. I was very well prepared for the particular overhead event, which was a 225 sandbag press, 250 keg, 250 sandbag. And I hit it in training. I was very well prepared. And um, at the competition, this arm went numb because I was using a, a tighter sleeve, which was a mistake. Yep. And it was numb, but I couldn't feel that it was numb until I started the event. And I ended up only getting the first bag, which put me like 27th out of 60 competitors in that event. Yeah. I won every single other event, and I ended up taking third by seven points. Um, if I had just finished the overhead event, which I had, yeah. was very capable of doing, I would have taken seventh because only six other guys completed it. Yeah. And that would have been another 20 points, and I, would, and I would have won. But, you know, most people would be happy with a third-place finish at Nationals, but um, – not, not guys like us. This is a competitive sport. Fucking win. And I was very well prepared. I was very well peaked. I felt great. And I just fucked myself making a last-minute decision to put on a tighter pair of sleeves. And um, I was devastated. And I was, I was being a brat. Um, a lot of people came over afterwards to congratulate me. And I didn't want to hear it. I was I, I threw a full-blown temper tantrum, and I was very embarrassed afterwards when I got home with how I conducted myself. And um, I said that here on, on, on social media. Yeah. And uh, to all of you who reached out and, 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 you know, said no harm done at all, we totally understand. We knew you were capable to win, and we wish you the best. I really appreciate you guys uh, reaching out to me because I, I really was hard on myself for how upset I was. And, um, you know... The deal is, it's like, you either win or you learn. You know, you don't lose. You either yeah. win or you lose. The thing is, is I didn't learn anything from that loss other than my fucking arms are pain in the ass. There's, yeah. there's nothing to change or done differently other than just not put on that sleeve. It was, it's a really tough pill to swallow because Nashville only comes around once a year. And um, I was very, very well prepared, and that was a, that was a tough hit. And I can tell you, that hit is what motivated me to say, fuck competing, I'm going to take an off-season check off all these boxes, figure out what's going on with this arm, and then come back and, and really show the country, what, you know, where I'm working. Because I'm the biggest 275 in the country. And I, well, that's what's going to, that's what's going to separate you from the rest of those guys. You know? No fucking doubt. No doubt. Because there, you know, a lot of people would have gave up by now. Oh, um, you know, I went, I went out, I finally got the invite to my biggest meet last year uh, to the American pro event. And I went there and bombed out, you know what I mean? And I've never, Never bombed out before. Never thought it was possible. Um, had a rough start to the beginning of my prep, and my coach kind of hit me like, oh, maybe we should back out. And I said, no, I'll turn it on better. Went through the whole – finished the prep strong. Everything looked great, and I went there, and just it just fell apart. You know what I mean? You get called on depth in your, in your, in your squats? No, no, no. I was hitting depth. I wasn't, I wasn't getting them up. Oh, my really? Opening, my opening squat, for whatever reason. It was something that I hit for a double two weeks prior and got there and – you know, I don't know what it was. It, it combination, like, I don't want to make an excuse about it. It's just, you know, what happened. So um, back to the drawing board, and, and now I'm going out to Ghost Clash in February and hopefully, you know, put my name back out there because I got to make up for that one. February is the Ghost Clash? Yeah, February 19th, I'll be competing. It's uh, the rap day. Nice. D depending on, on how things go, we have a meet here. We, we, have, we do three USPAs here a year, and the March one's usually – a monster. I've competed in that the last two times, and I got a lot of friends that are looking to do it. And I really like to compete in that March meet, and then um, the American Pro. Yeah, that's October. I just signed up for that one. 
So that's the plan. And I'm, I'm hoping I'll be able to figure out what's going on with this arm and at least be recovered and ready to train and compete in the, in the March meet. I don't need much to qualify. I think a 500 will, so a 450 yeah. 500 dots, I think, whatever 500 it is. dots, yeah. And uh, so I'll, I'll be able to take care of that, and then I'll have until October to prep for the American Pro. Um, and that's kind of the plan. I'll probably do March either way, even if my arm isn't sorted out. Yeah. But um, I, I really want to get ahead of this thing so I can get my bench where it should be so that I'm not leaving so many points out on the table, you know? So how do you balance balance the two, the, the strong man and the, uh, and the powerlifting? I mean – so some of the lifts are very similar, but then the accessory work seems to be a, a way different, you know. Um, yeah. How, how do you find the balance? Well, it's a very fair question. Um, my answer to that is strong is strong. And I always take a, a pretty dynamic approach. I mean, I'm, I'm 6'5", I'm 270 pounds. Um, I can run a mile in probably six and a half, seven minutes. Wow. I can do, do backflips. I ride motocross. I try and stay very mobile and athletic and all around. And... Um, the volume and athleticism is always there. Or should I say the capacity and athleticism is always there because of the volume work that I do year round. Yeah. So when it comes to strongman, I'd say the biggest difference is um, there's always a deadlift. Yeah. And I train deadlifts from the floor year round. So with strongman, sometimes you may have an axle, you may have a 13 inch or an 18 inch, usually 13 inch. Um, recently, they've been using the mammoth bar. Yeah, yep. just a whippier deadlift bar. Um, so if I'm like 12 weeks out, let's say, I'll start to work in the strongman implement. So usually what it would look like for deadlifts is I still pull from the floor first, but my, my B work would be the 13 inch or the mammoth or whatever. Gotcha. Because if, you, if you're strong from the floor, you're strong from 13. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. this is different. So if I'm noticing that, I would say, I would say your 13 inch pull should be seven to 10% stronger than from the floor. Okay. So if I notice that it's not, maybe I'll let that take priority for a period of time, but not until I'm eight to 12 weeks out of the Yeah, season. yeah. Um, and then as far as the loading and the carries and all the other events, again, 12 to 16 weeks out, I'll just start to work that stuff in. Yeah, and yeah. Let's say 16 weeks or four, four phases out, all the strongman stuff will be at the end of the session. Yep. So the session starts with the meat and potatoes, which is always going to be a squat, always going to be a press, or always going to be a deadlift, right? That's the meat and potatoes. Yep. I'll put the um, the event stuff at the end when I'm fatigued. Yep. I'll just kind of see where I'm at, you know, relative to what's expected at the competition. And then when I'm 12 weeks out or three phases out, perhaps I'll just take those implements. Like, let's say if the implements are a little bit further behind than where I'd like, I'll do them second. So let's say if there's a heavy yoke. I'll usually yoke after I squat. Yep. Or if there's a big stone, I'll hit stones after I deadlift. Um, if there's a big carry um, or there's a grip event, I'll just incorporate grip two to three times a week. But again, still kind of towards the end of the session because the barbell lifts, the meat and potatoes always take priority. For sure. And then two phases out or eight weeks, depending on where things are at, if I have to let them take priority to the barbell lifts, then I will. But it's my belief and my approach that Squatting, variations of, pressing, variations of, and deadlifting, variations of. Those are the core. And yep. if those go up, so will my stones. So yep. will my carries. So will everything else. And I also, to take it further, I don't believe that the inverse is true. If I prioritize yokes and carries and loading events, 
my squad. Yeah, those, those big three might <laughs> suffer. So th that's always kind of the show. But as I get closer and closer to the meet, um, maybe I'll do a fifth event day where I run through all the events to get an extra touch. <clears throat> I'm usually doing my stones after my deadlifts, as long as they're in a good spot. I'll do my yoke carries and different uh, carry variations after my squats, um, working the sandbags and the farmers on the upper body days and just kind of mix and match. The final thing to consider is I usually press four times a week, right? Okay. So if I'm prepping for a powerlifting meet, I'm probably benching three and overhead pressing one. Whereas if I'm prepping for a strongman meet, I'll be overpressing three and benching one. Gotcha. Yeah, it makes sense, right? Yeah. And the volume's so always there, the conditioning's always there, the grip work's always there, but the barbell lifts for me are always the meat and potatoes because they bring up all the other shit. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So now, by the way you're talking, I'm assuming you program yourself, coach yourself through everything, correct? Yeah, but I can't take credit for it, man. I've worked with some great fucking coaches over the years. Um, yeah. the, the, when I first started dabbling in, in competition, I never had any intention to compete, but when I opened my first location, a few of my members and um, clients that were training with some of the other coaches I was working with had intentions to compete in powerlifting. So I was like, fuck it, let's do it. And we yeah. did a PF meet. That's where I um, became acquainted with Andy Vale, who's kind of a local legend. He squatted a G in three weight classes. Yeah. And, um, he and this other guy put on some SPF meets at a local, a local CrossFit gym. So I did my first meet and I won. So I was like, guess I'm a powerlifter now. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we got more gear, we got more powerlifters, and the same thing with strongman. I had a, I had a, I had a coach that was working with me, and he wanted the New York strongest man, and he's like, "Hey, man, can you like sponsor me? Can I wear a top strength shirt?" I was like, "Fuck it, I'll do it with you." Yeah. We went to New York, and I won, and I was like, "Guess I'm a strongman now." <laughs> we kind of kept doing it and, and, and kept competing, and um, and then fast forward, and, and and now here we are. I never had real intention to do it, but. I became involved just kind of by chance and um, was very, and I'm just very fortunate to have a facility that I share with other people who are very like-minded yep. and we just keep each other honest and just keep challenging each other and just keep, keep competing. For sure. And I kind of fell into it the same way. So my first meet you were actually at, it was the CT States, I think IPA, no, USPA, CT States. USPA meet at Lightning. Got lightning, yes. Yep. So, so I met you there. I think that was your first attempt at 800. You didn't get it. But I remember we were bullshitting a little bit there. Um, but that was my first ever meet, and I kind of got roped into it like eight weeks out. With if no we're background. talking about the same meet, the announcer was amazing at that meet. Oh, yes. I can't it remember who. fucking amazing. This guy was so fired up. Getting um, everybody fired up. That I was probably one of the best. That video sometimes because I, I just recall him so so much like as people approach the platform he was just lit so after the oh, meet yeah. I met him and I'm like dude you were you were the shit you know that's yeah. third or fourth meet he's like hey man they asked me to do this this morning I compete yeah. I'm like, you keep emceeing my man because you were the bomb he was no, he had it he had it he was great but that meet if I remember correctly I think I had like a 720 squat and like a 730 deadlift uh -huh. Yeah, you were up there. You did go for eight, and you got it, like, maybe halfway, I remember. Yeah. But the crowd, I remember the crowd was going nuts, and then another guy I know was going for eight with you, this kid Justin Fisher. I don't know if you know Justin. He did He did pro strongman for a while. He had the yeah. big pink, pink mohawk, all that stuff. Yeah, I know Justin well. So he ended up winning that meet, and we were both really surprised because he was super heavy. 
Yeah. Um, but he ended up, I think, beating me by like, by like two Wilkes points. And I was like, yeah, yeah. you mother. <laughs> <laughs> he took the overall. But well-deserved. The stronger man won that day, no doubt. Yep. Yeah, so I mean, he had like a close to a 500 bench. Oh yeah, he was a good bencher, but he was heavy. He's he's very light now, but yeah, he looks good. He um, yeah. kind of took the healthier approach and got himself back, got himself back, yeah, yeah. got away from the strong man shit a little bit. So uh, let's talk about top strength a little bit. When how did you uh, when did this get started? Well, again, similar to competing and similar to being a personal trainer, it was never the plan. It was never the plan. I started training at a Boston sports club locally. I was very fortunate to become very busy, very quick. Um, I was the master trainer there for a little over four years, and then a uh, it's a it's a commercial it's a commercial gym. It's a um, it's a it's corporate. So I kind of was looking for the next thing. I kind of felt like I reached the ceiling. You know, I was um, training 140 to 160 sessions a, a month or so, and I was like top 10 in the company. And you know, at that point, you're kind of just like trading your time for money. So it's like, yep. there's a ceiling on how much you can make. For sure. And I, I, had, I had no idea what the next step was. I didn't know what to do. So right around that time, another gym opened up, a private-owned gym called Synergy, yep. which was kind of like a David Barton kind of uh, Equinox-style place. It was super, super high-end, beautiful, all blacked-out lighting. Um, it was right up the street from, from, from BSC, and, and the owner you know, had heard about me in, in, in the small Providence fitness community and offered me a job. And it was a risk because, you know, it's a single owner gym. Yeah. And uh, I ended up having to take a bit of a cut and pay as far as the percentage I was making in my sessions. But I spoke to my clients and they were like, hey, man, wherever you go, we'll go. So I ended up taking my, taking my business to Synergy. And um, I was there for about two, two and a half years. And it was great. Um, the gym was beautiful. As trainers, we were doing very, very well. The training, the training side of things was booming. I was the director of personal training, which yeah. – I was supposed to get a salary for, but never did. Um, but the gym itself wasn't very well ran. Um, the owner wasn't very present. He was kind of a money guy. Yep. And uh, <clears throat> I think he wanted to open a, a boutique gym and sell a bunch of memberships and sit back and collect the money. But I yeah. think you learned very quickly that you can't do that. And what ended up happening is members were getting really upset. He was making a lot of false promises about amenities and certain things that people were promised but never came through. Um, people were getting double charged. My checks were bouncing. My trainer's checks were bouncing. So we were kind of like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, yeah. You're kind of in an interesting, interesting scenario when, when that's the case because if you, if you work for whoever and your checks are bouncing, you say, fuck you, I'm not showing up to work. Yeah. But as a trainer, let's say you're my client. You spend two grand on 24 sessions. I've got to honor that. I'm not going to blow off clients because I get paid as I train the sessions. Yep. And I have a commitment to them. So we kept working and... We did the best we could, but we were kind of getting frustrated. And um, the owner, you know, eventually he'd pay us, be it personal check or cash. But we were always waiting for money. And yeah. um, I was supposed to have a salary. I, I didn't get that salary. I had health benefits, but then I didn't have health benefits, and I was paying for them. But I'd go to the doctor, and I'd have to pay for subscriptions, and it was just kind of a mess. So Holy shit. I was out with uh, one of the trainers, one of the first trainers I hired, Vanessa. We were out um, with one of my clients, Al. <clears throat> we were having a couple drinks, and – um, she got a little buzz and she started getting a little mouthy and she was like, when are you going to stop being such a pussy and open your own gym? And I'm like, I don't want to open a fucking gym. Yeah. yeah. Man, the best gym in the world and the place is going out of business. Yeah. She's like, she's like, you could open a gym tomorrow. And if you did, I would follow you. And then Al chimed in. He's like, Hey man, you need a little bit of startup cash. I'd be happy to offer you a loan. So I was like, yeah. 
I was like, fuck it, let's do it. So I ended up finding um, an old warehouse that needed some work. And and with my construction background, I was able to do all the renovations myself. And I had a little bit of capital. I had some backing from some clients. And I had a a credit card with a $60,000 limit. And I just went all in. And I just bought equipment as best I could. Um, refurbished a lot of the equipment, did a lot of the construction. But the thing was, is, is when the doors opened, I was already in the green. I was already profitable because, you know, I had a training business. V had a training business. and some more trainers. And um, it probably took about 60 to 80K to get the place open. Yeah. But monthly, it cost was probably seven to eight grand. And I was bringing in between 10 and 12 of my training. So I was already in the green. Yeah. And I got, you know, my, my capital investment covered. That was probably two and a half, three years later, and we needed more space, so I said, let's expand, and I ended up um, looking around for about a year. I found a bigger uh, warehouse where I'm at now, which is around 8,900 square feet, and I was very fortunate because I was really able to build this place out exactly how I wanted. I didn't have to cut any corners. Um, My landlord here was great. He had a great contractor that I was able to work with rather than alone. Yeah. the build out here was, was a pretty big nut, but my, my landlord was, was very facilitative and he amortized a portion of it over my rent for the first year and a half. And um, it's just continued. It's been, a, it's been an organic, authentic process. And um, I learned a lot at Synergy on what not to do as far as being a business yeah. partner, as far as being a, a manager and a leader and how important it is to be present I can tell you definitively that the fact that I train here and that I'm here all the time um, plays a huge role in how people conduct themselves and how they act. You know, it's a shared space. It's a community-driven thing. It's definitely a quality over quantity business model. I don't want 2,000 members. No, no. Four or 500 that get it, that pay the extra dollar, that hire us for specialty services like training and programming. Yeah. Um, and I, I became the state rep for the USS, so I hold all the state meets here for power, for strongman and powerlifting. There you go. And it's fucking awesome. It's fucking awesome. You know, like every event that I do, every competition that we hold, if the members aren't competing in it with us, they're here to help. They're here to watch. It's just um, one of the first USPA meets we did was, I think, March of 2020, which was right in the heart of COVID. Yep. And I'm like, how's this going to go? And the fucking, we had 200 <coughs> in here, 250 at least. I, I pulled in around eight o'clock. The parking lot was jacked. There were cars all the way down the street. And I'm like, dude, they're going to come here in a SWAT truck and shut this down. Oh, they, I know. I know. And it was amazing. And um, it's just continued on. And uh, I couldn't be more grateful to be a part of, of this because it's very, very special to me. It's something I, I take a lot of pride in. And, and that's really important to me. For sure. I mean, it seems like you built a community too. I've been following the gym for a while. I know a couple people that lift there, um, a couple bodybuilders. I know a kid that I used to power lift kind of with that used to go there a little bit, this kid Brett. So um, you, you, you got a cool little thing going over there. And, and it's definitely, you know, it remi- it's a bigger place than where I train, but we have the same thing where it's more like a, a smaller community driven thing where you know when something happens and, and, and you need help everyone comes in and helps out whether it be a meet or last year a pipe burst and we posted like hey the gym's closed because a pipe burst gym's closed for the day 20 members showed up anyways just to move shit and, and shop vac and you know what i mean 
when, when, when an equipment order comes in, I don't say a word. I just start unboxing it and unloading it, and all of a sudden, five or six guys come over and help unpack, and they're just excited. And it's so funny because they're like, oh, my God, thank you so much for this new equipment. Thank you, thank you. And in, in the back of my mind, I'm like, hey, man, this shit's for me. Because yeah. I, <laughs> I work out here, too. Yeah, yeah. So thank you. Thank you for being a member. Thank you for paying your dues. Thanks for being a part of this, and it's just a shared thing. When we had to shut down for COVID, um, I was just blown away how all of, all of the members, aside from maybe 10 or 20 who were like in the service industry and, and really were out of work and didn't have cash, but everybody was very supportive. They insisted on continuing to pay their memberships to make sure that we stayed afloat, that we stayed open. Wow. And, you know, that keeps me on. That keeps me honest. That keeps me on point because they have, they have my back. And, yeah. And, how to have theirs and it, and it comes down to a daily thing you know if i'm tired and i don't feel like training i don't feel like it these guys and girls still show up so i gotta fucking show up too i can't let these people down and it's the same thing when we compete you know i want to win i want to hit my list but when i'm under a bar i can hear all of them i can yeah. hear all, all my senses are heightened so when i hear people screaming it's it's, it's I, I can't fail i, I want oh, to sure. i gotta do it for them too you know and, and uh I get welled up when I think about it because in those moments, it's like it, it takes an army, you know, to do this. And I'll tell you what, I'll go to battle with my crew and my army. We call ourselves the top strength brigade. I'll, I'll go to battle with them any fucking day against anybody. And I'm so grateful to just to be a part of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it says a lot about you, too. I mean, that, you know, that you're doing things the right way to where people will back you up and follow you because, you know, like, like the story you just told. You know, about the gym you were you were at before where he wasn't so present you know no one was following that guy to war you know what i mean because he wasn't taking care of anybody so it just it says a lot about you and the community you've built in there you know what i mean yeah going forward um it brought up a point too you just said something about uh oh, shit i just lost my train of thought hold on one second let me think you no. were saying, uh, fucking lost it Something you just said got, made me think about something, and I completely lost it. Hold on. No sweat. Take a sip. But I'll go to my handy-dandy notebook instead. Um, let's talk about the flack you get online. So this is your opportunity to talk some shit. All right. Uh, I see you've gotten some shit online as being, as being uh, a clout chaser, let's say because of some of the crazy lifts you do do like yep. the girl sitting on the barbell stuff like that um you know the no-handed squats and, and, and stuff and people say you know it's stupid it's dangerous or you're just doing it for the likes and this and that how you know one how how do you decipher you know what gets in your head and what doesn't as far as those comments go but two how do you decipher like the difference between <clears throat> Like your personal experience, what what makes it clout chasing versus what makes it you having fun with what you love to do? You know what I mean? Because I've experienced the same shit. I used to go into gyms, do crazy shit like that, do box jumps with barbells on my back and stuff like that. And it was stuff I just loved to fucking do and, and, and test myself and push myself and try new things and be an athlete. But then I would hear the shit too. Like, oh, you're just trying to get likes. You're just trying to get follows. You're just trying to... So how do you... What's the line between clout chasing, let's say, and just being you and having fun and enjoying what the fuck you do, you know? I don't think there is a line. I think it's the same fucking thing. 
I mean, hey, man, we're in strength sports, you know, and there's, there's an interior motivation to just push ourselves and grow and see what we're capable of. And clout, attention, um, uh, reassurance, that's a huge piece that, you know, that, that fuels me. I, I can tell you definitively, I wouldn't be able to do the things that I do in competition when I'm under a barbell. I'm not fucking around, but when I'm under a heavy bar, I got a big deadlift to pull. I wouldn't be able to do it alone in my basement. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be able to fucking do it. Um, you need the I, hype. I can tell you during COVID when we were shut down, I was here training and I was able to get the work done, but I miss my boys. I miss my crew. I, I miss being around people and feeling that energy. And realistically, you know, what, what, what are we doing? You know, we kind of, we kind of put health and safety on the back burner to be able to perform and to be able to do spectacular things. Yeah. All, and, and whether it's in competition or whether I'm hitting a squat with four girls in the barbell, it's all just a test, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm doing it for attention. I'm not going to lie and say that yeah. the, the attention and the likes and, 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 and the exposure doesn't fuel me, but that's not all that fuels me. But I, that, and that's, and that's also, I mean. We're watching or not. I, I just really enjoy doing it, you know. But that's also, I mean, us as business people, as owners of gyms, as trainers, we want our names to get out there. You know what I mean? Like, isn't that the point to brand ourselves to get to get? You know, a million followers means a million more people that could potentially buy your services. Yeah. You know what I mean? So to not go out there and try to get these people, you know. Yeah. And, and realistically, the only way to not get criticized is to not accomplish anything. You know? That's, that's a good point. It's shit. The only people, you know, it, anyone that's doing is doing good or, or, or is excelling or and, and is accomplishing things, there's going to be good and there's going to be bad. The only way to avoid the bad is to not do anything. And the way that I kind of process that in my mind, because it does affect me, you know, the, the negative, the negative comments and the, and the criticism does, does weigh on me. But at the end of the day, it's my belief that that is so much more a reflection of them and how they feel about themselves than how they feel about me. For sure. Uh, I really believe that. And, 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 and it's, you, you can see right through it most of the time, the people that are saying, X, Y, and Z, if you were to take a look at them and take a look at their page and take a look at the things they say and they say they do, they're, they're probably struggling. They're probably battling their own demons and their own issues, just like we all are. For sure. And fortunately, the way that they manage that is to dog Last others, right? take a look in the mirror and, and improve themselves. It's much easier to, to talk and to, and, to, and to shoot others down to make yourself feel better by default than to actually look a bit deeper and say, you know, what's my issue with me? What can I do to better myself? What can I do to grow? How can I assess? How can I build? That's a little bit harder for a lot of people. For than sure. it is it's, just awesome shit. It's like that crabs in a barrel mentality. You know what I mean? Instead of everyone picking each other up, you're pulling those down to get higher. You know no doubt. I mean? And, and I, I, don't, I don't believe in that. I think a rising tide raises all ships. For sure. And I, think I think there's room for everybody to grow. I think this is a great industry to be a part of. There's, you know, things like social media and, and all this kind of has tarnished it a bit. It's kind of watered it down a bit, but it hasn't watered me down. It, it hasn't changed my values and what I think is important and the standard that I hold myself to and the standard that I try to hold others to and the standard they hold me to. It's just kind of a, just kind of a factor, and it is what it is, you know. Um, again, the only way to avoid criticism is not to do anything at all. Exactly. So now my thoughts finally circled back because you brought up motivation again. Um, and you mentioned yourself, you know, some days when you don't feel like being there, but the people around you motivate you. 
Um, I get this a lot. I'm sure you get this a lot. Top, you know, lifters and motivators always get it. But you tend to see, like, people seem to think that we're just, like, built this strange way where we're, we never have a bad day. We always, we always want to be at the gym. We never have to push ourselves there. You know what I mean? And, and people just like, they're like, Oh, you don't get it. And I'm like, no, I fucking, I fucking get it. I fucking get it. I <laughs> get it. Believe me. Um, I did a, I did a, I started shooting some, some content for a documentary with this guy, Tom McMahon recently. And he put together a, a short little edit of one of the things I said while we were interviewing. And he, he asked, he said, do you have bad days? And I said, yeah, I have bad days. I said, the bad days come more often than, than the good ones, but it doesn't change what needs to get done. It doesn't matter how I feel. For sure. Um, and I always show up. I always show up, especially on the days I don't feel like doing it, because to me, that's, that's got to be the, the biggest determining factor that determines where we end up as people, is the, is the ones that, that have I to, I go to. Not motivation, because motivation is fake. Motivation ain't there when you fucking need it. Motivation yeah. Is a, is a hashtag it's a me on a t-shirt motivation isn't always there but i i i made the decision a long time ago that i was discipline. always disciplined to show up and do what needs to be done and, and really be present not just show up and be like i'm here but show up and be present and really apply myself especially on the days i don't feel like it because at the end of those days that's when i feel motivated i'm, I'm motivated by doing it you know i'm motivated by seeking lessons and, and assessing failure and, and, and putting myself in the shit and coming out on the other side. That's what motivates me. For sure. And, and you know what? You hear a lot of like hard work. It's not fucking hard. This isn't hard. You know what's hard? Things get hard when I slack. Things get hard when I give myself a break. Things get hard when I don't maintain the discipline to hit my meals and hit my workouts and execute. That, then all of a sudden shit gets hard. It's yep. not fucking hard. It's just, it just <clears throat> is what it is. And that's just a choice. That's a choice you can make and apply to all of these decisions that come your way each day, or you can choose to give in. You can choose to give yourself a break. And to me personally, that's the wrong fucking choice. For sure. The right choice is to show up. The right choice is, is, is to see things through. Um, and, and through that process, that, that's how I feel motivated. As soon as I let myself get in my own head, I start feeling like shit. I start feeling sorry for myself. And, and then all of a sudden, things get really, really challenging for me. Yep. Um, and, and kind of that, that's, kind of, that's kind of the mantra. That's kind of the, 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 the thing that I, I try and live by and hold myself accountable to. And again, it comes back to the community as well. I can't let these guys and girls down. I got to show up for them. Sure. They show up for me, you know? Yeah. And it, I like that. So <clears throat> it's not that people are lacking the motivation. It's they're lacking the discipline of it because – you know, the motivation isn't always there, even for guys like us, even for the top dogs in the sports, you know what I mean? But people just tend to think that we got it easy. It just comes to us. We wake up in the morning, we're like, I can't wait to squat 700 pounds. There's days I wake up and I'm like, I don't want fucking 700 pounds on my back. Yeah. I never want it on my back, you know what I mean? Well, you know what? It's on the fucking template, so I got to yeah. get it. It's, yeah, exactly. But it's on the program, that's what's happening. And similar to the people who are critical and, and, and you know, and, and criticize what we do, um, and, and also the ones that, that look at us like we're on this pedestal, like, like, like we're elite and, and we're different. We're not different. You know, we're, yeah. we're all the same. As human beings, we all have the opportunity and the tools available to us to grow. It's just a matter of the, the one thing that makes us different is those that actually take responsibility within ourselves to apply ourselves. That's the difference. For sure. Founding, as human beings, 
we're all the same. We all have struggles. We all have challenges, some more than others. But you know what? The ones that, the ones that have more shit to deal with, the ones that, that it may have a harder time, if they apply themselves and they maintain discipline, they're better for it at the end. I can tell you a lot of the hardest times in my life, um, some of which, you know, being injuries, I got in a really nasty head-on collision uh, the day before my 17th birthday. Um, I snapped both arms. I broke both legs. I shattered my jaw. I lost eight pounds. Um, you know, that was a really challenging time, but I'm so much better for it now. Because I remember in those moments, I'm like, how the fuck am I ever going to get back, you know? Yep. Yep. year I lost. But you know what? I just kind of put my head down and got back to work. And before I knew it, I was back. And then as, as, as new challenges come, as, as new issues come, you know, you know, certain, certain trials and tribulations that may just fold somebody else, they're not going to fold me because I've already been there. You've been there. I've already I go back. Um, I used to be a big partier. I used to drink a lot on the weekends, kind of weekend warrior. When I got in trouble, I got three DUIs in like 15 months. I had to go to jail for two months. And um, that was a tough time. But, you know, I came back. I bounced back. Yeah. And, and I'm there for it today. You know, you can either become a victim of your circumstances or, or, or a student of them. And just about anybody, just about anybody in history that's really accomplished great things, most of them came from from challenging circumstances and they chose, they chose to rise above and, and, and they, it, it was, a, it, now it's a tool. It's a tool in their tool that they can use when things get challenging. Well, especially the things I deal with on a regular basis is when I just see people just fold under the smallest pressure and it's like, come on, man. Like really, yeah, yeah. like that's what you're about. You're going to fucking fold. You're going to give in or are you going to fucking bite down and, and, and go back and, and figure it out? See where you went wrong and take responsibility and make change and get the fuck back to work. Like, like, who are you? What yeah, are you yeah. about? What are you fucking made of? And these challenging circumstances um, are, 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 should be the most valuable. Do, do you find that you get a little tougher love? You give a little tougher love to your clients as you persevere through your own shit? Yeah. Like, you're, it, like, I, you're like, I've been through this shit. Like, you're not going to be soft on me because I did this and that. You're, so, you know what I mean? Like, like I find myself like since I started powerlifting and that took off more for me, my client base changed a little bit too. Obviously, because I started taking on more powerlifters, less less of the typical like weight loss clients, stuff like that. But um, I noticed I've I've been giving tougher love rather than that like cheery personal trainer like motivation guy. Now I'm like, no, we're we're not fucking quitting. Like we're doing this. And if you don't want to do that for me, like there's going to be another trainer at the commercial gym over there that you can tell your sob story to because like you're paying for me to push your ass. I want, yeah. I'm going to make you an elite lifter or I'm going to make you lose those 50 pounds or whatever the hell it may be, you know? I think it's important um, and, and, that, and that it fuels and serves my business as a trainer because no one's going to hire me that wants to dog it, you know, like. I think being a guy that's here, lifting alongside everybody, um, somebody that looks the part, and also somebody that is okay admitting when I don't know something, um, I think that's very relatable to people. And I yep. think that when I ask or direct somebody to do something, they know that I'm either currently doing the same thing or I've already done it. And that plays a huge role. You know, buy-in is a huge piece. For sure. Of when it comes to trying to get through to somebody, you got to get them to buy in. You got to get them to to believe that 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 what you're telling them is not just because I said so, but yeah. 
I'm saying so because I'm right here with you, bro. Fighting yep. with you. I'm doing the same shit. Don't try and pretend like I don't know what this fucking feels like because yep. I do. And I think that's what a lot of trainers lack is they can be very highly educated. They can have a lot of degrees and a lot of certifications, but they're a wiry little frail dude or overweight and a slob. And they're telling somebody like, no, five more. And if I'm looking at some fat fuck that tells me five more, I'm like, no, fuck you. But right, sure. case because I think, I think that they know that, that I've been there and that I'm happy to do it. And, and I think that that really serves me in, in this industry is that, you know, I'm someone that, that, that's been there, that, that still is here. And it makes my, my message and the things that I ask them to do are much more, much more believable and easier to buy in. For sure. Um, now, you mentioned, you know, social media aspect um, on the negative side. And you just mentioned, you know, trainers that may not look the part. Um, do you think, you know, because of social media and the oversaturation of, of trainers and also just how easy it is to become like a coach now, like you could just write coach in your bio and all of a sudden you take coach, you take clients because you lost 10 pounds yourself. Do you think, you know, that obviously hurts the game in a way, but do you think it's doing more harm than good right now? Uh, that's a very good point. I think it goes both ways. You have the guys and girls that don't do it that are coaches because of certain certifications and things that they've learned. But you also have other guys and girls that, you know, may have competed, may be genetically gifted and they do look the part, but they also don't know how to coach somebody else and, and deal with somebody else because we are all different in the sense that we have different needs and there's a massive psychological aspect to yep. this. And people need to feel supported. People need to feel like you have their back and their best interest in mind. And what ends up happening is a lot of these guys and girls that themselves personally have been able to be very successful in their own endeavors, be it genetic gifts or be it whatever it may be, that doesn't necessarily qualify you to, to work with different individuals because they all have their own different needs. So it's important as coaches and professionals in this industry to always be leveling yourself up as well, always be holding yourself accountable, always learning, always growing. And um, certifications are great, courses are great, but the most... Experience. The learning that I value the most is the, is, is the learning that I've experienced in my own training, but also the learning, you know, all of my clients and, and members and staff and, and, and people that I share this space with, they're all my greatest teachers, you know. Um, yeah. I really try to hold myself accountable to, to learn and develop um, my craft based upon my experiences in working with individual other people because they all have their own needs. We're all different, you know. Um, I, like I said, I grew up working with trades, you know, working with wood, doing construction. And, you know, I'm not working with wood. I'm working with human beings. And there's a massive psychological and emotional aspect to this. Everyone has their own struggles. And that affects us. You know, the body can't differentiate between physical stress, psychological stress, emotional stress. It all weighs on us the same. For sure. You know, it, it, it can be exhausting. And, and it can be addressed. It has to be a holistic process it's not just getting in here and crushing it for an hour what are you doing the other 23 hours of the day are you taking care of yourself are you eating are you managing your work stress your relationship stress you know are you holding yourself accountable are you doing all these other things it has to be a holistic approach because you sure. can't take a caffeine and kill it every day you know it doesn't work that way it has to it has to come full circle you know for sure for sure um that's something i've mentioned too you know people think especially, you know, sometimes you just get your average everyday, like weight loss client or body comp client, 
you know, they might come to you once or twice a week and they're asking questions like why they're not seeing the progress they expect. But I'm like, well, did you follow the nutrition plan? Did you go do anything your other five days? Did you sleep? Are you, are you eating right? Are you, um, you know, stressed at work, you know, and, and they expect that the two hours a week that I see them is going to be enough to put them to where they need to be, that they don't need to, you know, apply all these other things. Like you just said, with, with recovery and, and sleeping and, and stress management and all that stuff, you know what I mean? It, it all has to come full circle. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's all got to yeah. be a part of a program. People like to throw these these percentages out, like it's eighty percent diet, it's X percent this, X percent that, and it's like no, it's not. It's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent diet. It's a hundred percent recovery. It's a hundred percent stress management. And you can, if you choose to not give all of these pillars a hundred percent effort, that's okay. But don't expect hundred percent results. Exactly. If you're not you're not applying yourself. You, you can still make progress and make gains, especially someone that's just a beginner. A anything will work. But as we become more proficient and more skilled and more adept, you have to clean up more of these pieces. You know, you can be 100% with training, 30% with your diet, 50% stress management. And if your training's not going up, well, let's bring the diet up. Let's bring the stress management up. What are you doing for recovery? Where, where, where's some more low hanging fruit that we can take advantage of? Because all of these things, play a role in your overall body composition progress, your strength progress, your muscle. They all play a role. It's not 80% this, 20% this. It's 100% anything. And if you really look at yourself through, you know, with a, with, with a logical eye and with a critical eye, you, it's very, very easy to see, you know, what, what, what you're dogging, what you're not taking to the best of its ability. And then all of a sudden, as you clean that up, you see everything else go up. It has to be a process. For sure. We as professionals have to be a constant student of that. The moment you think you know all the shit, the moment you think you know everything, that's that's the moment you start to go backwards. Yep. You always have to be a student. You always have to hold yourself accountable. You always got to look at yourself with scrutiny and with criticism, just like you criticize the people that come to you for advice. Um, because you know you got to keep yourself honest. It's, it's so so important. And in doing that. People relate to that. People see that, and they're like, you know what? I, I think I think this guy this guy can get me where I want to go. It's just a huge piece of. All right. So speaking of keeping yourself honest and humbling, how surreal was it to see that Eddie Hall thing, where uh, Eddie Hall was you know watching and critiquing your deadlifts? Well, I was reached out by some to by somebody maybe five or six months ago on Instagram. I forget his name specifically, but he said, "Hey." Um, I am working with Eddie Hall. I'm going to be putting together some videos of certain lifts, and he's going to do this thing on his Facebook where he watches these videos. It's going to be bloopers, big lifts, all of the above, and just kind of watch them and, 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 and kind of talk about them. And he's like, would you be interested? Do you mind if I use some of your lifts for the videos? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely, whatever you want. Yeah. So that wasn't the first time I was on that feed. It was probably the third. The first two – um, that no-handed squat video that was on SportsCenter and ESPN and all, that that was on there. And I was a part of a five- or six-minute video with a bunch of other lifters. Um, yeah. The second one, I think, was a big deadlift, and he watched it, and he was like, damn, that was great. But that particular video was five minutes of just me. And um, I was I was tagged in that video by uh, Nathan Payton. Do you know who Nathan Payton is? He's, yeah. a, he's a very well-decorated nutritionist. I mean, he's got – like a dozen world's strongest man competitors and champions on his roster. Wow. 
And um, he, he follows me. He, he, he likes all my stuff on Facebook, which is, you know, very flattering. So he was the one that tagged me in that video. So I was sitting right here in this office, and I opened my computer, and I was like, cool, I'm back on Eddie Hall's video. And when I opened it, I was, I was the first lift, and I watched it, and I was like, great. And I saw him watching, and I felt really good. And then the next one was me, and the next one was me. And I sat there for five minutes, yeah. listened to Eddie Hall just fucking gas me up. Dude, honest to God, I didn't know if I wanted to laugh, smile. Your head fucking exploded through the thing. Was like, fuck, I, I, was, I was so emotional and so humble, and I just I felt, I felt like I could shoot lightning bolts out of my fingertips, not to sound corny. I, I actually I had, yeah. I had to go for a drive and fucking cool off. Yeah, I believe it. He's somebody I, I really like. I, I really cool. like, um, obviously, he's so accomplished, but I really like his demeanor. And I don't know if you've seen any of his videos, but he doesn't take himself too seriously. You know, since no. he retired, uh, one of my favorite videos he does is he goes to a Ninja Warrior gym, and he goes through all the obstacles in the Ninja Warrior gym. And the fucking guy, he gets through all of them, but yeah. it takes like an hour and a half to get through the whole gym. And it's just fucking awesome. He's someone that I really admire and respect, and I hope to connect with at some point. I'd love to fly him out here and have him. But um, that that really struck me. That was that was really really special. Sorry guys, we reached our hour limit. Hold on one second. I'm gonna get Steve right back in here. We got booted. I'm gonna get him right back in, and we'll get this thing back going. We're back. Sorry, cut us off after our hour limit. Sorry, been an hour. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, but that was extremely humbling. Um, it really, really meant the world to me. And I'll tell you what, I definitely had a great workout that day. That's for sure. Oh, I believe it. No, it's always good. I mean, and that and that brings us back full circle to like you know the clout and the attention. You know, we all do it for that reason. That's the reason we have Instagram in the first place. You know what I mean? It's definitely a motivator. It's definitely a piece. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you, I definitely respect and admire those that don't need it. Um, just to give you some examples, let's start with the biggest example, um, Dorian Yates. So he was somebody that trained in a dungeon over in England by himself, and he flew out here, and he would just destroy everybody in the Olympia, and he would go home and train in a dungeon again. You wouldn't hear from him for a whole year. Yeah. And I think that's amazing. That's so uh, – that, that's just amazing that, that it's all intrinsic. You know, he didn't even need the clout and the attention yeah. and the reassurance um, to do what he did. And, and I, I, I personally do. It, 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 it's, it's not the only piece, but it is a huge piece. No, but it, it helps. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's the self-motivation or whatever it is that you need. You know what yeah. I mean? The approval, even just the, the pat on the back sometimes. You know what I mean? Because, like you said, to get to the level you're at, we have to be – on top of ourselves we have to be a little too hard on ourselves you know what i mean so you know i know i do and i'm pretty sure you do beat the shit out of ourselves mentally sometimes you know what i mean yeah never, i'm never good not, enough. My biggest critic that's you know, what i mean no matter how many people tell me that i'm amazing no matter how many people are like oh my god how do you do this how do you do that like it's okay it feels good but i'm never not enough at all I, no. i'm not i'm not i'm not this this is not the body of a man who's confident, okay? Yeah, this, yeah. This, this is not the gym. Um, everything that I have, it, this is not a representation of someone who, who thinks he's got it going on. This this is somebody that really is really hard on himself. You know, I, I'm not I'm not happy with the way that I look. I don't feel accomplished in any of my lifts. I, 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 I'm, I'm grateful, and, and, and I give myself a pat on the back that 
I hold myself accountable and that I truly apply authentic effort to yeah. that, I, I, I give myself credit, but I'm nowhere near where I want to be. Do, do I even know what that is? I don't know, you know, because because the, the thing with goals, and I think this is a great topic, a great thing to talk about. The, the thing with goals and goal setting is it, it's very, very important to have goals because yep. it gives you direction, it gives you purpose. But being as being somebody who has had, you know, however many goals, call it fifty goals in my life, yep. I can tell you as I started accomplishing those goals. Let's say if it's like I want, I want, I want to pull eight hundred in the meet. Yep. When I did that, I was psyched. I felt really good. Five I felt minutes. really accomplished for about 15 fucking seconds. Yep. And it's like, what's next? Yep. What's next? What's next? And it's so important to communicate that to those that look at us like we're amazing and that can't get out of their own way because it's so important to understand that it's the journey. It's the process. It's learning to love and find value in the process because when you reach the the top of the mountain whatever your top is at that point once you get there you feel good for like five or ten seconds but then it has to be what's the next thing so if you're only motivated by your end goal i can tell you right now you're not going to get there and when you do you're just going to lose it all you're just yeah. going to take that back all those fat people shows as soon as those shows are over they're fat again oh you know? yeah it's, oh, yeah. it's always it's always reaching for the next thing. You, you got to stay hungry. You know the, the the wolf on the top of the mountain got it. Has got to be just as hungry, if not more hungry than all those that are climbing. Yep. It's very very important. And and people are like, oh, why am I motivated? Why don't I feel this? Why don't I feel that? You got to figure out how to love the process, the day to day, the set to set, the rep to rep, each meal, every scoop of protein, every fucking steak, every egg, every rep. Every injury, every setback, you have to be a student of the process and you have to learn to love it. Because if you're just doing it for the end result, you ain't going to fucking get there, man. You're not yeah. going to get there. It's not going to happen. And I think it's funny you say that because it's something I've mentioned to clients and, and friends a lot. You know, when I started this, I had no intentions of being where I am. Or if you showed me my body now, let's just say, or my total now, back then, I'd say I was... Oh, that I'll, I won't accomplish that. I won't get there. And now I'm here, or or better, and I and I'm not happy where I am now. You know what I not mean? Not at all. You know, so it's just like it's it's like I never progressed mentally. You know what I mean? Like to, I never slowed down like wanting more. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. And, and before most people, I, I, I got most out of shape, critical of that. Most people are critical of that, and they say, you know, you got to give yourself more credit. You know, you you should feel more accomplished. I start dying. Like, you know what? I, I would. But I know as soon as I do, I'm going to stop. I, I, I can't. i got to stay hungry. i got to stay myself. I have to want more. I have to want more. Because if I don't, if I'm satisfied, there is no cruise control, in my opinion, as a no. human being. You're either growing or you're fucking going backwards. you got to stay hungry. you got to keep yourself. You have to be your biggest critic, you know? Uh, so speaking of credit and giving yourself too much credit, I had a question written down here. Do you think that we – not we, you and I, but we as a whole, um, give people too much credit on social media, make people too famous for very minimal. Yeah. So, you know? so the standard of what's exemplary and the standard of what's acceptable to me is, is way too low. Yeah. Um, I, I just think that, and, and I think as the industry, and, and this goes for everything, I think as things get more watered down, you know, what's acceptable, what's okay, and what's impressive is, is all a bit watered down. I, I think that 
we all as individuals and as, as a community, as a culture, just as humans need to raise the bar for all of us. You know, yep. um, I don't feel that, that my approach and that my mentality and, and, and that who I am and what I do is exemplary. And I don't think it should be considered to be exemplary. I think I'm just the guy that holds myself accountable, that, that wants more. And I think that should be the average. Yep. The fact that people like us that are always shooting for more are the exception and not the rule is the issue. And, and if there's one thing that I can do is to empower and encourage and show people that they're capable of greater things, I think that's very special. I think, um, you know, we're only on this planet for so long. And I think developing a legacy and developing and being able to have an impact on other people to hold themselves accountable, like we hold ourselves accountable, is, is very important. And I think that should be the norm. It shouldn't be exceptional. Sure. Does, does that answer your question? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I was going to get into something, but now that you just you brought up a point about legacy, what do you want Steve Tripp's legacy to be? You retire, oh. you retire, you pass away, whatever it may be. What do you want um, to be remembered for? I can tell you that that my my goal is to accomplish enough to be able to be um, taken seriously enough to be able to travel and to have other gyms and, and other fitness communities want to fly me in and to put on seminars in their space yep. to talk to their coaches, to talk to their their members and their athletes and their clients, and to to, to give them my process and my insight. Yep. And to be able to have more of a reach, I think I think that's kind of the, the, the long-term goal. I've been fortunate to do seminars at, at two other gyms um, locally. But it, it's my goal that through competing and, and through coaching and through the success of my clients to be well-decorated enough like the Stan Effertings and like the Eddie Halls and like the other the other professionals out there who, who have accomplished enough um, to, to, to be seeked out. By, by yeah. other by other places and, and invited, um, and I've become really close with Stan Efferding. And after the first time I had him out here, I, I took him to dinner. We grabbed a couple of steaks at Longhorn before his flight, and I told him that exact thing. And, and he looked at me and he's like, "You're fucking there, bro. Yeah. What do you mean? You don't have to accomplish anymore." He's like, "I was just at your gym." He was like, "You want to write a book? You you want to put together a curriculum? You write it, and I'll be the first to buy it, and I'll sell it on my website." And I sat there. And I was just like, damn, well, you know, you yeah. uh, but that's a very good point in the sense that even if, even if I'm not ready and speaking to individuals out there who don't think they're ready to take that jump and, and make that move, even if you're not ready, take the steps towards it, put, yeah. put yourself in the situation, you know, just just take the jump and see what happens. What's the worst thing that could happen? It doesn't work out. You fail. That's not the worst thing because then you can go back and see where you went wrong and fix it. And then, and then maybe you're successful the next time. And that's exactly the point Stan made. He's like, I just released... Vertical diet 3.0, you know? It's always changing, it's always developing, it's always growing, but you, you gotta put yourself out there in, in order to get to where you think you wanna go. You can't wait till everything's in a row because it never will be. The right time, there's no such thing as the right time. The right yeah. time now. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was bringing up the whole uh, giving people too much credit thing to talk about the Evan Carden situation, but I don't wanna even put too much time and effort into that um, because of how shitty of a situation it is, but you know, it's someone, I mean, I talked to you privately about it first. You didn't even know who he was. So yeah, I'm not sure what's going on. So basically long story short, this was a guy that we gave too much credit to. We let him go viral for 
deadlifting like 800 pounds at commercial gyms with shitty power bars, slamming them, getting into arguments with staff, getting kicked out of gyms, basically. And then he got 30,000, 40,000 followers off of that shit. But then you look him up and he totals like 1,600 pounds with a 900-pound deadlift. So he's – as lifting-wise, that's why I say we give people too much. Huh? Is he a sumo guy? No, conventional. All right. Well, then why, why are his other lifts so, so poor? <laughs> that's that's my point. So he's become you know, he's specialist. You, that, you have a guy that's got like a, a toe-to-plate sumo, yeah. seven, seven, eight hundred pounds. But the thing is, is that's leverages. You know, that's technique. It's not it's not raw, authentic strength. So they can they can pull a seven, eight hundred pound deadlift with a toe-to-bar, limited range of motion, hook grip, uh, sumo deadlift. But then they have like a three hundred pound squat and a two hundred pound bench. Yeah. I'm surprised that someone that has that much power on a deadlift doesn't have a, a, at least a decent squat and a decent bench. Oh, I know. So, I mean, if you scroll, I used to scroll through his page and I'd get sucked in and it was just all deadlift though. He never posted a squat, never posted. So he just became like a deadlift specialist. Then he just, he didn't even compete anymore. He just was known as like the deadlifter, but like, what, what does that mean? You know what I mean? If you don't do it in competition, there's no just straight deadlift competition. And if there is, he wasn't doing them. You know what I mean? But long story short, the dude was always an asshole. He got caught now, you know, messing around with 15, 16-year-old girls in their DMs. Um, people tried to call him out for years on it. People just would tell everyone, oh, it's hate. You're hating on him because he's strong, this and that. Come to find out now he's been popped for, you know, trying to lure 16-year-old girls around and this and that. So that's part of the problem, too, with giving all these people this, like, bullshit fame, you know what I mean, is you're giving people power that don't deserve any kind of fucking power. Yeah, I had a bit of an epiphany years and years ago. So, and I'm glad I, I, I should have, for some reason, this point didn't come to mind when we first talked about Instagram clout and, uh, and social media fame. What, what you don't realize, and what we don't realize, is that a click's a click, a like's a like, a comment's a comment. And I, you know, always was intrigued and and interested in individuals who had large social media followings, big YouTube followings. Um, not to mention any names, but there were two people that came from my area and, and did the YouTube thing as YouTube was taking off and they became YouTubers and they ended up developing huge followings and, and fame and they were off to the races. One of which, when they traveled home, they would ask if they could train at my facility because they were kind of like a local celebrity and they wanted to be left alone and be able to train and not go to a commercial room and be recognized and bombarded. So I said, absolutely. And this individual asked, and not to be critical of them at all, because it is what it is, but they asked if they could do a meet and greet at my gym with their following. And I said, absolutely. This should be awesome. Let's see what this is all about. So we ended up having the event, and I was, it was kind of a bit of an epiphany, because who showed up? Who showed up to see this fitness influencer? It was all... 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 year old guys and girls yep. who got dropped off by their fucking parents to see this YouTube fitness sensation. Half of them are out of shape. So, yeah. so just think about that. Now, it's, it's, it's great. It's great that these people are inspiring these young kids if they are inspiring these young kids, but I don't necessarily value that. I, I, and, and that's the thing is, it's not that you don't see. A click is a click. A follow's a follow, and a like's a like. So what are these What are these 100,000 likes and 100,000 followers actually comprised of? Is it people like us? 
like what I would consider a quality follower. A quality. Exactly. I have someone that's going to hire you for your services, someone that's really interested, someone that's really, you know, going to follow in, in your footsteps and, and, and listen to what you're doing? Or is it some 13-year-old dude jerking off in his parents' basement smelling farts? You know? Yeah. Because that, that's the majority of it. That, that's the majority of it. I would much rather have a quality following of five, 10,000 people, all of which are actually doing the things that they say they're going to do and actually following along in whoever they're inspired by's footsteps, you know, authentic, real followers. Um, you know, that's kind of what I'm after. And to take it a step further, you know, I had a couple of YouTube videos here and there, didn't have many subscribers, and I ended up collaborating with another um, YouTuber who had a huge following. And we did a video, and it was great. The video was a lot of fun. He, um, they, they edited it for us, and it was a great video. And we put it up, and I immediately gained like 500 or 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. So I was like, this is dope. Yeah, but yeah. it wasn't dope, because what ended up happening is I started getting a bunch of DMs and messages and emails from these followers and they were like, hey, man, but let's say if I were to I got 12 inquiries um, for people who found me through that, that, that video, and they wanted training. So I said, great. I said, here's what I need from you. I need you to, to work up to a max single for squat, bench, deadlift, and overhead press, and then take 80% of that number and do a set of eight and send me the videos. None of them wanted to do it. No. None of them were like, oh, bro, you know, I maxed out like six months ago. Can I send you my max out from six months ago? Can you use that? And I'm like, no, because that was six months ago. I got to see what you're doing now. 12 out of 12 of these followers who inquired for training with me after seeing me on that YouTube video, none of them wanted to do the fucking work. And yeah, it's yeah. like, why? Don't waste my fucking time, man. They just want to say that Steve Tripp trains them. Yeah, like, like, do you want to do this or not? So yeah. that, that's kind of something that I think should be taken into consideration when people are striving for these enormous followings. Because a lot of it's trash. A lot of it's trash. Um, I have some, some, some females that I'm really close with who have recently developed huge followings on social media, which is great. But you know what? They're fucking harassed. Yeah. Harassed on a daily basis. Their block list is even bigger than their follower list. Oh, because sure. I believe it. Exposure is great. But, you know, there, there's pros and cons. And I would argue that sometimes the cons might outweigh the pros in, 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 that, in, that, in, that, in that scenario. You know? I think I think so, especially, I mean, <clears throat> myself personally, I'm a, I'm a sensitive person, you know what I mean? And I'm a passionate person. I'm an emotional person. So the comments... I think, go, hey, I think, I think being passionate go, comes with being sensitive. Yeah, for you sure. Know? And I think when you're putting yourself out there all the time, you know, extending a hand, extending all the branches, and you put yourself out there for other people... You, you become sensitive when, when, it, when it's not, you know, we don't do it necessarily to get it back, but when we do it and we get criticized, it, it fucking stings. Because it's like, hey, man, I don't know if you know this, and you obviously don't know this, you just found me on social media, but I'm, I'm really trying to do my fucking part here. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. That, you would never say that negative shit you're saying. Yeah, for I sure. I really, really believe that. And, and, and I think with being passionate, I think it, I think it kind of comes hand in hand with also being, being sensitive. Because I'm the same way. I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 made I'm not a baby seal. I'm, I'm made of fucking baby. I'm, I'm made of baby food, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. If I, if I woke up to 500 negative comments on my video, I'd be like, what the fuck is going on here? You know what I mean? Yeah. So. And right, we, well, we hear from a lot of the influencers, influencers and whatnot, they, a lot of them will say that. Um, a lot of them say, like, you know, you have to have thick skin, and more often than not, you have to just ignore it. I, I don't read 
A lot of them say, I don't read any of my comments. I don't read any of them. I don't even read them. I don't want to see it because for every one positive one, there's five or ten negative ones. Well, I've heard Joe Rogan say that. He's like, I, you can't do it. You can't I don't even read it. I don't even fucking read it. And, and, I, and, I, and I can relate. I can relate because you, you can tell yourself again and again that, oh, fuck it. Don't worry about it. You know, who, who are they? But it, it has an impact. It, it weighs on you. you it's this, it sits in the back of your mind for sure. You know what I mean? I was doing, I was doing a workout with one of those influencers. We, we went live. We went live for a workout. This is uh, probably five, six years ago, and um, she was doing squats, and I was doing deadlifts. So when I was when she was squatting, I'd video her, and then when I was deadlifting, she would video me. So I hit a set of like seven to five hundred or something, and then I took the camera and I was watching her. And while I'm watching her, I'm seeing the comments, and all the comments of all these dudes like just just dogging me, like, "Oh, you didn't lock out, you know that technique." that and the other and, I'm, and I remember I was like what the fuck man and it, me. it sticks to me to this day when I sure. like fucking lock it out because you know they're yeah. watching it, it definitely has an impact no matter how thick your skin is but I mean like you said at the beginning 95% of those negative comments are probably people that can't do what the fuck you're doing you know what I mean yeah and they got their own shit going on but still whether you tell yourself that or not or you tell yourself it's not going to matter or you don't give a fuck what people think it will sit with you you know what I mean it does. It's, it's still there. It's still a factor. So um, before I wrap up, what I like to do is just open mic time for people. So I want you to just plug in your stuff, um, shout out who you want to shout out, talk about what you got going on, um, plug in your Instagram, your gym, all stuff like that, and then any advice you want to give, you know, just open mic time. Okay. Well, um, I'm Steve. At Strip Cam, obviously, we're on Instagram. My gym, The Top Strength Project, at The Top Strength Project. I'm located in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Um, I hold a lot of competitions here. I do three USPA, two USS Strongman, one NAS Strongman. And um, I really take a lot of pride in, in this being one of the best places to compete. Not only so much because I have a lot of great equipment available. You know, a lot of the times when you go to a big competition, it's in like a hall or it's in like it's at like the casino and you're going to compete in powerlifting or strongman and, and all you have there is the competitive gear. Yeah. You know, if I go to a strongman show and it's a max log and I don't have any dumbbells or any machines or any equipment to get warm, it, it's tough. It's tough to hit that max attempt. For sure. So competing in a gym like this, I think, is, is a great place because you have all the facilities available to you that you would have at home. And I think that sets you up for success. But also, like we spoke about before, it's a great community. Um, when you come here, there's going to be a crowd, and it's going to be a crowd of our members and our friends that do what you're doing. So, you know, you have people behind you. I, I really take a lot of pride in the atmosphere that we're able to provide for each other um, as far as the people in the gym that are competing and as far as outsiders. You know, if you want to become a part of something and, and have some people behind you, I think I really take a lot of pride in saying that this is the place to do it. So check us out. Let us, um, you know, I have a calendar on the website, and I'm always posting our events on my social media. If you have any interest, um, we'd love to have you. Um, some shout-outs. I'm traveling down to Daytona next week for OSG. I'm not competing because of my arm, but um, one of my very, very close friends, uh, Nico, the Greek Goliath, is, is looking to do some serious damage. Um, my friend Manny's competing as well. Have a couple uh, middleweights. Um, Mike O'Connor. Um, Christine is competing as well, so <clears throat> I want to the best of luck. I can't wait to be in that corner this weekend. Um, and as far as advice to people, um, get out of your own way. You know, take a real deep look at yourself 
and, and ask yourself, you know, am I really doing everything in my power to get where I claim I want to go? Um, and, and just get started. Just get started. If you're having a hard time, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling depressed, get your ass out of bed one morning, go for a nice walk, make yourself breakfast, and hold yourself accountable to do that for a week. You're going to feel better. You're going to put yourself in a position to, to move forward. Then get in the gym. You know, go, go work out a couple times a week. Don't, don't do the thing where you start at zero and you're like, I'm going to go to the gym every fucking day. I'm going to follow a diet. Do it sustainably. Make small changes, small, sustainable changes. Because in six months, in a year, you're going to be a different fucking human. And you won't even notice it because all these changes that you made are, are, are easy to swallow. It's sustainable. And then it just compounds and it grows and it grows and it grows. And setbacks will come. Injuries will come. Life will happen. And that's okay. That's a very, very distinct part of the process. And like we spoke about before, I think it's the most valuable part of the process. Don't become a victim of your circumstances. Don't become a victim of your failures. Become a student of them. Go back. Figure it out. Take responsibility for what you did that created that failure, that created that setback, and fix it. And also realize that this... This hobby that, that you and I share of lifting weights and trying to get strong as fuck and big as fuck, it's not just vanity. It's not just about being strong. It's not just about looking better with our clothes off. These, these fundamental, the fundamental characteristics that it takes to be truly successful in this practice are ones that will perpetuate themselves into every other aspect of your life. It's going to make you a better professional. It's going to make you more successful at work. It's going to make you a better partner, a better brother, a better, a better sister, a better boyfriend, a better friend, because there are very, there's very few things you can get involved in in life that's direct return. That's what's so special about this hobby is that you absolutely get in, get out what you put in. If you sure. your meals, if you hit your workouts, you're going to make progress. And if you don't, you're going to fall back. And you can't say that for everything else. You can't say that for relationships. You can't say that for careers. You can't say that because in careers and relationships, there's a lot of things that are out of your control. And in here, you are in control of all the variables that make you successful or unsuccessful. And sharpening those tools and sharpening those, those attributes, those characteristics it does so much more for us as individuals than just looking better with our shirt off and adding more weight to the bar. And that is the, as corny as it sounds, that is the biggest reason that I chose to do this for a living because I truly believe it. I've, I've benefited from it anecdotally in my own experiences and I've been fortunate to see others from all walks of life that I've had the privilege of working with, I see them grow. And, and I've lost handfuls of clients because they, they leave bad relationships. They, they get promoted and move elsewhere because everything else in their life improves along with keeping yourself accountable in this practice. It's, it's invaluable. It's invaluable. Sure. And I, I encourage all of you to start taking steps forward to improve your life through, through this practice, through this process, because it's a holistic thing. And, and I believe that wholeheartedly as someone that's benefited from it myself and seeing others that benefit from it as well. Well, shit, that just made me want to run through a fucking wall myself. So that worked. Fucking right, man. That worked. Yeah, that worked. I'll be on the other side of that wall. We're going to run through the next one. Let's <laughs> do it. So um, I want to, um, we'll talk after this. I want to get together. I want to plan uh, uh, some, some lifts together. I'll come out to you one day. And then we'd love to have you come out to Hellbent in Bridgeport, Connecticut too. So, um, on, 
give me any reason to go on a field trip, I'd be happy to. Dude, and so I'll make sure to get a film crew as well so we can get some, get some quality content. We'll have some fun with it. Perfect. Let's do it. All Great. right, man. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you. Oh, uh, pleasure's all mine. I really appreciate the opportunity. I, I'm happy to do it again anytime. All right, awesome. We'll definitely do it again. We'll look forward to it. All right, I'll talk to you, Steve. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye.